Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about intentional environments, one of our 10 characteristics of a healthy church. Check it out. everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. So glad. Thanks for that awkward way of saying your name, David. But, Second uh, vidcast Yeah, the Multiply Podcast. And we're wearing the same shirts, I just realized. Yep, that's okay. People won't notice, except for you just said it. <laughs> well, except like, what's the, what is the free screenshot going to look like on YouTube? Is it going to be like, is it going to be a graphic of the title of the... Or is it going to be a picture of us? Talking? I don't know. I haven't done it yet, Dave. Well, okay. if it's a picture don't of us, lock me in. If it's a picture of us talking, people are going to feel like they already watched this one. Well, we'll have because we're wearing the same. I'll take your hat off edit, for this one. I'll have to edit off. I'll it's take your shirt off. You'll be shirtless. <laughs> at least move this water bottle. <laughs> You'll be shirtless, and I'll I'll be wearing a sweater. Okay, that'll be that'll be the the picture that balances us out. Yes, yeah, because we're both wearing basically t-shirts now, and you're hairy, so it looks like you wear a sweater. No, when you're everybody shirtless. knows I'm not true. That's not true because I'm half Korean. <laughs> We are not a hairy people. Well, that's good. You guys got a lot going for you. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for being back with us. If you didn't know, David was referencing, we are now on YouTube. You can, uh, if you don't want to just listen to our sultry voices, you can now watch us. On the interweb. On the interweb as we talk. Um, David didn't know what YouTube was. He's a little older than I am. I had to introduce him to it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we're on YouTube. You can find us. Go to the Multiply Podcast. Subscribe, like. That helps us. Uh, that helps get other people to watch the videos as well and see can the videos. Can they dislike us there too? They can give us a dislike on a video. Why are we yeah. putting ourselves out there like this? Well, you know. Who needs this? And who knows what sort of comments are going to come in. But what, What's Michael Scott's line about when he discovered YouTube? Do you remember that from The Office? <laughs> He's like, the, the, I didn't do anything for a week. I didn't do work for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the curse of YouTube. So now, now if you're at work or... You just want to get away from your day. Um, go over to the Multiply Podcast on YouTube and, and watch us. I know? wish we could pull our audiences to like who watches, who listens. Obviously, everybody listens so far, but because I'm just so curious as to like what we, what what type of person would prefer to watch us talk than just listen on a podcast. Yeah, because I don't, so that doesn't make sense to me. But you do, so yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll anyway. see. We'll see the number of views. We'll also be uh, backloading all the audio podcasts onto YouTube in audio only version, of mm-hmm. course, because we didn't video those. But uh, if you'd prefer to use YouTube as your medium to listen, you can do that as well. So we're back. We are talking about another characteristic of a healthy church. We've been doing a little discussion. Uh, we were part of a committee that created. 10 characteristics of a healthy church. And mm-hmm. so we've uh, been spending each podcast talking about them, but we've gone through quite a few. Yeah, this is eight, right? This I is number so. eight right now. I think so. Mm-hmm. This is number eight. So eight of 10. Dave, tell us, what are we talking about today? Yeah, today the characteristic of a healthy church that we're talking about is uh, intentional environments, intentional environments. And uh, the way we define intentional environments is that intentional environments result from creating disciple-making environments and experiences which have a clear target and a defined desired outcome. There must be a bridge between these environments with the goal of forward movement. So this is kind of, this is one of the only definitions that has two sentences to it. So let me um, kind of break it down a little more. Intentional environments result from creating disciple-making environments and experiences, which have two things, a clear target and a desired outcome. Uh, There must be a bridge between these environments with the goal of forward movement, intentional environments. 
One thing I think we probably should say up front is that there's some overlap between this conversation and two episodes ago when we talked about a disciple-making strategy. Yeah. Because intentional environments actually kind of fit into or under or as a part of a disciple-making strategy. But I think the team thought it's such an overlooked aspect of disciple-making in the local church that it needs its own characteristic. It needs its own attention. So, um, you know, you're now serving as a director of youth and college ministries for the Assemblies of God in the state of New York. Uh, about 18 months now, uh, or a little less than that. And um, prior to that, though, you were really part of a, a church in Long Island that was really committed to a process of asking the question, are we making disciples? How can we be more effective in making disciples? And one of the things you even were very passionate about towards the end was was leading almost with the mindset of a discipleship pastor within the local church. And I know that you guys created some environments that you thought would help people learn to follow Jesus. Uh, so give us a little background on your experience in the local church and what you did as far as creating intentional environments with a clear targeted audience and some uh, per, uh, defined desired outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So my background, actually, technically my role before I became um, the, the role I'm in now was a discipleship pastor. I, I couldn't remember if you, if they made that official jump or not. I couldn't remember. I didn't yep. want to say it. So yep. I was in it for about uh, three or four months with the idea that if this role, if I moved in this role, then that's fine. Otherwise I would stay on yeah. and be discipleship pastor. So you were a monster success, three to four months. Three to four months. And it was like, we've got it. It's, it's done. We've everything we need. What's you next? Know, what's next? Yeah. yeah. So, no, and I, I really loved it. And the reason why that role came about is because um, I, before that, I had been a young adult pastor for three years, and we had completely revamped our discipleship strategy and looked at all of our systems and all of our environments that we had. And I kind of um, was motivated by uh, failure, to be honest with you. I was looking around and going, what are we doing here? Like, doing the same stuff. I kind of had the mindset of, if you build it, they will come, you know, have create the, the best, most flashiest environment. Kind of attractional strategy. Very, very attractional. And I thought, okay, well, that will... That will work. You know, we'll, we'll do the best environment that we can do, the most quality, and people will come. And it just didn't happen. It didn't work out. And then so started to reassess all that we did and really fall in love with disciple making and the idea that that was kind of the opposite approach. That was a long-term strategic approach that starts slow, but then the exponential growth is huge. And so in, in that whole process, we also started to look at, as a whole church, we went through a two-year process of looking at our our environments and saying, how do we get strategic? And so we came up with, basically, we boiled it down to three environments. And this flowed out of our mission statement, which was, um, we want to make disciples who love, grow, and serve. Okay. And so each word, love, grow, serve, was attached to our strategy, but it was also attached to our environments. So your pathways right in your mission statement, yeah, which I think is cool. Um, and your pathway also then defines the environments, the intentional environments. Okay. So which is, that's what we're talking about. So, so talk to us a little bit about those environments and, and not that this is a, um, strategy to replicate in any given church. You got to do the wrestling and the work that these guys did for a couple of years, but this is a good example. Um, and I'm sure even looking back, you think some things worked better than others. And if you were back in there or if you were still there, I'm sure it would have evolved and changed a little bit, Mm -hmm. but just give us a sense of where it was when you were serving in this role for a few months. Yeah, so um, our, our first environment, which was our love environment, and basically what we saw it as is three environments that that all work in conjunction and, and have the ability to move people through them. 
And so someone who is becoming a fully formed disciple in our church is someone who's engaging in all three of our environments and now and helping other people to begin to engage in all three environments. So they really worked in hand in hand with our strategy. Okay. And so the first environment, which was love, was about loving God and loving people. And that that was our Sunday morning service, was our primary environment. And so we wanted to create an environment where people learned together how to love each other and also how to love God. And we we viewed that as an intentional environment in a couple of ways. And one of the ways was with our mature believers who were making disciples, we would actually encourage them to be strategic about inviting people they were discipling into that environment with them. So we actually felt like there's something powerful that happens if we're willing to create a Sunday morning environment that is open for someone to bring someone with them who they're discipling and then they can model what does it look like to worship together? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to live this faith out? So knowing that, how did it inform the way you guys even plan the content of your service? Because now you're beginning to talk about the idea of a specific audience, a targeted audience. Um, So talk to us a little bit about knowing that this is the stage and the pathway. How did it inform the way you guys shape the service content? So it informs things like what do we say? Um, simple stuff, and I think we've talked about some of these things, but um, are we introducing ourselves when we go on stage, mm-hmm. or is the assumption everybody knows us? Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of, uh, what sort of uh, music, what sort of design, how does the environment look? Um, and our pastor, to his credit, um, he, he was very intentional, although it wasn't his style. He was very intentional about saying, let's create a look and a feel and, a, and music that is appealing to a non-believer and an unchurched person who is also a younger family. That was really, that was really part of our strategy, sure. you know, and, uh, and he was really on board with that. So Even the excellence with which you would do the music, you know, the, correct. what was required of the band on a Sunday morning, knowing that, you know, if it's an insider's gathering— yeah. then the quality of the music matters less only in the sense that everybody's hearts have already sort of been won and warmed by Jesus and and you can sing along because you love. But for an outsider, like, excellence is a universal language, right? Yeah, yeah. And even, I think, um, things like planning out opportunities for people to pray with each other. If the assumption is, hey, this is an environment where people are bringing others along and doing life together here— that we want to create some moments for people to actually respond to God and pray together, and that was a big part of our pastor's heart. And so those were built into the service; those yeah. were those were intentional. And even that, like, so so there's a difference. It's a there's a difference knowing that your audience is sort of the unchurched, the visitor. There's a difference between saying let's create moments where people can pray with their friends versus creating a moment where say everybody get in groups of three and lay hands on each other and everybody pray out as loud as you can. Yeah, there might be an environment for that, but if you know that this is the specific intentional environment we're trying to create for this audience, that's really difficult for a visitor because the last thing they probably want to do is lay hands on a stranger and pray out loud. They may have never prayed in their lives. So, you know, just thinking, that's another way that you can even be thinking through. Like, this is a very specific environment with a targeted audience that helps inform our content. Yeah. Yeah, so that was our love. And, And we would say love God, love people. And the way that we would incorporate the love people part was for those who were disciple makers, we would, we would teach them things like, Hey, on a Sunday morning, always be inviting. So always be inviting. We call them one groups, which is like our version of small groups. When you see people on Sunday morning, assume that they're lonely, assume they don't have relationships, assume that they wish someone would invite them to lunch. 
And so we would teach them that always be inviting. And so Sunday morning was an opportunity for people to come and learn how to love God, but also be loved and learn what it looked like to be in a community, a family of God. And so obviously that's a work in progress is constantly trying to hit that. But we wanted to create an environment that was conducive for that to happen. Yeah. So the one you mentioned, the one, what are the one groups? Yeah. Is that the next? Yeah. Is it the next? Yeah. Yeah. So. So love God and and love people were actually the two, uh, they were kind of connected. But yeah, so the next step would actually be grow. So love, grow. Mm -hmm. And the idea of grow was we had these things called grow classes. And so we we wanted people to not only grow um, in their love for God, but also in their understanding of who God was. And we felt like those actually go hand in hand. So the more we know about God and about ourselves and about what he calls us to, the more we can love him. And so we would, we, every Wednesday night, we would do things called grow classes. And these were really intentional because we, we begin to look and say, okay, if we have someone for three to five years and they were to come to every Wednesday night, every grow, grow class, what sort of classes or content would we want them to work through in order for them to become a fully formed disciple? So if we had someone for five years here or three to five years, what would the content look like? And so we we begin to take that approach and look at it and then create content that we felt like was valuable. We begin to assess all of our teachers and make sure, hey, no one's teaching that doesn't have a gift of teaching because we mm-hmm. want this to be quality. We create an environment that people we want to make it an environment people want to be. So we did simple things like we had awesome coffee and food and snacks and so everybody that was there it was a place that was like yeah i want to be there this is this is great you know and so those are some of the the moves that we made to create that uh, an environment where people can grow and so one of the things that we would say is again for the grow classes don't come alone if there's someone you're discipling invite them to come with you and our classes were eight weeks long so you could journey with someone for eight weeks and then um, and do another class. And we had different levels of classes and all that kind of stuff. But but that was part of the, the grow portion. Okay. So love, grow, and then what was your last one? Serve. Serve. Uninterested. <laughs> yeah. So, so love, grow, serve. And serve basically is um, getting people to engage in the mission of the church and serving within the church together. Okay. And so so this was kind of the, the third part. But again... All of this would be encompassed in creating environments where people can do this together. Yeah. So the idea, again, was if you're discipling somebody, they're, they're in church with you, they're in your one group, they're coming to a grow class with you, and now you're inviting them to serve with you in a ministry. So we talked a couple episodes ago in our, in our conversation about having a disciple-making strategy about different environments, right? We talked about large group, small group, one-on-one. So... Um, you can kind of see that represented in each of those three groups. But then also there's this um, environment, this sort of fourth environment, that the church might feel like we're not responsible to create this environment, um, and it's simply the environment of just you and Jesus, right? Yeah. So a disciple doesn't just get with people but gets alone with Jesus, and Jesus would get alone with the Father, so he models that for us. <coughs> what do you feel like is the church's responsibility when it relates to not creating that environment because you can't obviously the church can't go into someone's home and say okay for the next 30 minutes you know go read your scriptures uh, but what are, what responsibility do we have as far as communicating and making that a clear intentional environment for our people well I think we have a huge responsibility and you're right it is a challenge because you can't manufacture that for people so it's a little different than um, 
some of the other environments, but um, I think it it mostly is reflected in the discipleship process mm-hmm. of communicating people that, and if we really believe this, and you actually preached, you kind of talked about this a little bit in your sermon yesterday, um, if we really believe that this is the most essential thing for all of us, like we want to be people of the Spirit, people who are filled with the, the power of the Spirit, who um, we know that it's the Holy Spirit is the one who shows us Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the one who gives us any of the abilities we have. If we really believe that, mm. then spending time with Him ha- has to be essential. Yeah. The problem is most of us don't live that way, myself included. Yeah. Like I say I believe that, but I don't really... There's confessional right. belief, and then there's functional belief, right. which we all struggle with, bringing those two together. Yeah. And so I think it has to be communicated regularly from the pulpit. But it also has to be a foundational part of your disciple-making strategy. So whatever the strategy is for people to become more uh, more mature disciples, that has to be a huge part of it is yeah. one-on-one teaching of, hey, this is what it looks like, and here's yeah. how I've lived out my life, here's how it should look in your life, and, um, you know. I think we talked a little bit before we recorded about some of the challenges of creating environments that— uh, are intentional. And by intentional, we mean, again, that they have a targeted audience, a desired outcome. Uh, you mentioned to me the idea of duplicate environments. Yeah. And then I mentioned to you the idea of dead-end environments. So when I said dead-end environments, what I meant was basically creating a disciple-making environment that has no next step. It's like a stagnant pool. It's like it just all ends here. And then where do I go? What's my next step? What What should I be doing? When you talked about, when you were mentioning to me duplicate environments, what did you mean? So duplicate environments, and this is one of the big things that we faced at the church I was at when we were going through this process, is we started to assess all of the environments that we had, all the different kids' environments, the youth environments. So you're talking about, just to get super practical, Sunday morning service, classes on Sunday, midweek services, even like ministries that were demographic-specific, men's, women, youth, children, all that, seniors. We, We literally sat down. And we wrote out every single ministry or environment that we had in the whole church. Yeah. And this is actually harder to do than you would think, right, for most churches. If, but if you sit down and write down every single environment, we had a ton. And then what we did is we defined the 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 intended audience of that environment and what the, the intended outcome was. Mm. So you could do something like, okay, uh, this is kids or young girls and the intended outcome is discipleship. This is a very basic way of putting it, right? Um, And then you start to see, what we start to see is how many duplicate environments that we had over and over and over again. And the other thing that we start to see is we had like a children's pastor who has been at least on paper tasked with helping create disciple-making environments for our teenagers. But then we had other people running these other environments that were also supposed to be disciple-making environments for kids. So we had different leaders doing duplicate disciple-making environments, and parents basically either put their kid in everything, or even in some cases, they had to choose. Which disciple-making environment do I want? And of course, I, I we felt like as a church, that's not a healthy approach. We need to be streamlined. If, if you have kids in our church, there needs to be one process for how we do discipleship. And so we basically had to trim and define and, and um, sometimes merge, sometimes totally cut out, sometimes adapt and create something new. 
but to make sure that we didn't have these duplicate environments, that if we're going to disciple kids, this is the way we do it. If we're going to disciple teenagers, this is how we do it. If we're going to disciple adults, yeah. this is how we do it. You know, some people might be listening going, what's the problem with duplicate environments? And right off the bat, I think we have limited energy and resources, right? Mm-hmm. Limited, 100%. Limited people, limited time. And so... Um, to create duplicate environments also creates unnecessary choices and competition sometimes. Like you want to help people take the right path as opposed to sort of the paralysis of many options and many different paths. Uh, So it weakens what you're offering. It is um, a distraction or confusion to the people that you're trying to serve. It's just a, it's, it can really hinder the effectiveness of the mission of the church to make disciples. Yeah. And one of the things that we saw, and you kind of touched on this is, we had, um, we, you could look at a lot of these different environments or ministries and go, oh, but good things are happening. And of course, everybody that was involved with them would say, no, you don't understand, like this great thing, this good thing was happening. And so it wasn't an issue of, are they all good? That's, a, that's usually easy. It's, sure. are they the best? And the biggest challenge that I think people don't understand when they think about what's the problem with disciple making or duplicate environments is, um, you touched on this, you have in most churches, high quality, high capacity leaders that are spread out all over these different duplicate environments. And one of the reasons and the benefits of creating a simple strategic plan and a simple strategic strategy for your environments is now you consolidate all of your best leaders and you put them instead of into 20 different things, you put them into five different things. Mm -hmm. And so those five now just become so much better and, uh, and, I, and I think that often gets overlooked. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Sometimes with, well, often in the local church, less is more. You know, we, we tend to get very busy. And I forget who I heard this from. I may, I may have made this up. I'm not sure. But the idea of filling people's calendars versus filling people's lives, right? Mm. And, um, you know, one of, the other ops, one of the other dangers of not being intentional with your disciple-making environments is that you do fill people's calendars so much that you actually, in a way, it becomes counterproductive. Because remember, the purpose of a church or the purpose of, you know, our mission is to make disciples. Yeah. And everything the local church does is supposed to be um, headed towards making disciples who make disciples. When we fill ca- people's calendars so much with stuff and programs and events, it gets to the point where they can't actually be making disciples in their community because they're so busy inside the church. Yeah. And so I think thinking intentionally, how are we moving people towards a sense of greater mission? And how are we growing them in such a way that they can disciple people to Jesus and disciple people in Jesus? Um, you know, I think having intentional environments and, and looking at what you're doing can help you. So, so if you're listening and you're a local past, you're a pastor of a local church, uh, or you're leading a ministry, I think what we're encouraging you to do is is the step one is uh, look at everything you do. Right, write down every single thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff, and then begin to kind of list it out, and then next to it, write down who is it for. Uh, what's the desired outcome, and what's the next step? And you may find that you have some dead-end environments, you have some duplicate environments, and then it takes the hard work of beginning to ask some questions about uh, what's working, what's not working, what should we stop, what should we start. And uh, a lot of what we talked about two episodes on creating a decision-making strategy really would help complement what we've been talking about with intentional environments. And can I tell you, the only way that that process actually works and is effective, and the only reason it was effective for Bethlehem, is because we came into those meetings with this mindset. Number one, there's no sacred cows. Yeah. So if you come in and you're and everybody in the meeting knows, well, we can't touch this ministry, or 
that that's the pastor's baby ministry. So that one's off limits. And so it will not be effective. There has to be a mindset that says there's no sacred cow. The only sacred cow is our mission, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the only sacred cow. Mm-hmm. So therefore, everything's in, and you have to come in where everyone has the mindset. Everything's on the table. Let, let's check our emotions at the door. We all, our identity is not attached to what we do. Like yeah. these are really important things yeah. to to talk about if you want to have effective conversation. Because when, when you're now the youth pastor, who has this ministry you've been doing, and all of a sudden this, the conversation starts going, well, is this the most effective way to disciple teenagers? Or maybe this way is better. It's, I mean, how are you going to respond in that moment, right? It's hard. Yeah. But I think it's essential. And so if you're willing to do that, um, you can have some pretty cool conversations. For sure. And I think um, your lead pastor has to champion that, right? 100%. Like, it's got to start at the top. If, if the lead pastor, if everybody knows the lead pastor is ultimately not really in on the conversation, then first off, um, it's going to feel like an exercise in futility to the people who are aware of that. Um, but then also it's going to really kind of cause some people not to um, speak up, not be heard because they're That's afraid, right. you know. So creating that culture where this is a safe place to ask hard questions, say hard things yep. for the sake of the mission, not just for the sake of being a jerk or an antagonistic, right. but for the sake of like we're here to make disciples and whatever it takes for us to be more effective in making disciples and creating a disciple-making culture with intentional environments. Like we got we to gotta do it. We got to lay our feelings down, lay our preferences down, and be willing to embrace whatever God's leading us to. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's totally right. All right, Dave. Well— we're going to talk a little bit about David's Eats. Mm. Mm. Need a little jingle here. Yeah. David's to, Eats. Can you work on something? There mm-hmm. you go. That's good. That's nice. I like that. We'll record that on the side again and All right. add that in. Yeah. All right. Hit so the I, streets <laughs> for David's Eats. Uh, too, too far. You've gone over. No. Can, eating beets. No. Yeah. Be- beets are delicious. Oh, my. Come on. Come on. Actually, that, what do you mean? Beets are delicious. That's you. You just helped transition me perfectly into the question I was going to ask. No, I hate beets. <laughs> That's not the question. Actually, I think I, I have had beets in a salad that I liked. I do like beets, but anyway, this is not Jared's eats. It's David's eats. So yeah. we we <clears throat> we've got some we've got some vegetarian listeners out there. I'm sure. Now I know that's not your thing, clearly, but I do want to hear from you. What do you mean, clearly? Well. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Listen to the past episodes. Um, <laughs> we want to hear from you. What is if you and I know I actually know you like vegetables, so you're not you're not a non vegetable guy. Yeah. What is your favorite like vegetable side dish or just what's the favorite vegetable? How is it done? How is it cooked? Yeah. Give us give us give us your number one. Probably fish. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what? good. Yeah. What? You want to be more specific? <laughs> um, no, my favorite is kimchi. You know, that's my that's a Korean side dish. It's a pickled, spiced, sometimes fermented, cold, often veggie. It can be a lot of different things. The main one is cabbage, but they do it with cucumber, carrots, yeah. um, radishes. But beyond that, that's pretty specific. Not everybody's going to eat kimchi. I think um, I love mushrooms. Mushrooms are veggies, right? Yes. I, I love. Yeah, I feel we'll, like we'll I feel like I'm up. cheating when I'm eating mushrooms. Like, true. like these aren't veggies; these are so like. This is a fungus. Yeah, this has got like meat texture to it. <laughs> My favorite thing is to take like mushrooms, take them home, put them in a pan with some a uh, little oil and butter, salt and pepper, and then um, just a little garlic. Just cook it down, pan sear it, and at the end add like a little sambal sauce, like a little hot sauce, 
and um, I can eat that for dinner. I'll put a couple eggs over it. Okay, and then add a little steak on the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, steak, yeah. So then that's I, my. That's then my, I scoot the mushrooms off the plate. Yeah, and the then mushrooms just, my my entree, and then I got it like twelve ounce ribeye as a side. Right, and next then eggs, to it, eggs as and well. eggs, yeah. But mushrooms, I like also asparagus and now. And now, are you a Brussels sprouts guy? I am. Okay. My wife makes really great Brussels sprouts, like caramelized down with bacon in the pan. So oh. I guess veggies vegetarians wouldn't eat it that way, but they could eat turkey bacon. That's vegetarian, right? No, it's oh. not. It's turkey. It tastes like it's, it's still vegetarian. Meat, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I'm a I'm a I'm a Brussels sprout roast. I'm a roasted guy. Me too. Boiled? No, no. What? Come on, Come on, get that out of Who here. Who boils vegetables? I, you know what? I bet you there's a lot of people out there right now. So there's a I, better I, way, folks. There's I like a better roasted way. right to the edge of like burned. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. This has been David Zietz. We're not only helping you become better leaders, but also better eaters. That's it. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.